It's time to break the silence and open up the dialogue around the topics of miscarriage and baby loss. No more shame. No more taboo. Let's ditch it for the sake of our children. The ones who are, the ones who will come. And in memory of the ones who never came to be. This is the Worst Girl Gang Ever podcast. Well, hello and welcome to this episode of The Worst Girl Gang Ever. Today, we are joined by two lovely ladies from across the pond. We have got Laura and Rachel, and they have both been through different experiences of um, molar pregnancies. And we have had this in the diary for some time we've um, been faffing about but we're so glad that we've finally got you here we don't get to talk about molar pregnancies very often and um obviously we know that it does happen and it happens to lots of people um although it's one of the rarer forms of pregnancy loss um it's still one that we need to talk about more so thanks ladies thanks for joining us yeah it's great to be here thanks for having us (laughs) so um rachel should we start with can you share a bit about your experience yeah, so um, I uh, I have a son already. He's actually going to be two tomorrow. Um, and so back in in December, I found out that um, last December, I found out that I was uh, pregnant um, and I was so excited. I was going to have two under two and I was just going to, you know, dive into the chaos and uh and then um, once January rolled around, I was extremely sick. Um, I had been sick with my son, you know, during my pregnancy, but this was a whole nother level. I was um, throwing up multiple times a day. I could barely function. I work a full-time job. So it was um, just difficult just to survive. Um, and uh, I kind of felt deep down something was wrong, but I didn't want to uh, accepted, I guess. And, um, then when I went in for my, my nine week scan, um, you know, everything looked normal for the most part. They thought they saw some, something on the scan. Um, it was some kind of implantation bleed, they said, um, and it should heal on its own and, and be fine. Um, then I went in for my 12 week scan, um, and the, the bleed that they saw had doubled in size and they referred me to a uh, maternal fetal medicine OBGYN, um, high risk, you know, pregnancy doctor. And um, they said, you know, we need to have a, a more detailed scan um, of your baby. Um, and during that 12 week scan, I heard heartbeat. I saw facial features. I saw hands. I saw feet. Um, and um, I, I really thought everything was fine. I really didn't think anything of it. I was just like, okay. Um, I was with my husband. I was like, you, you don't have to come to the appointment tomorrow. Like, it's all good. So I got in for the appointment at the maternal fetal medicine doctor the, the very next day by myself. Um, and they did a scan of um, of everything. Saw my baby. Again, thought everything was fine. And, um, you know, I went into the doctor's office after the scan. And she looked at me and I just... I knew it wasn't going to be good. She said, um, I don't have good news for you. And uh, it was really hard to be alone in that moment. Um, I was, yeah, everything just kind of came crashing down at that point. Um, And she told me about, you know, partial molar pregnancies, molar pregnancies, 
And I had never heard of anything like this before. I never, I didn't even know what to make of it. And um, she told me that, you know, your HCG is uh, almost 400,000, which is, it's, you know, supposed to stay under a hundred thousand during pregnancy typically. And uh, that, you know, if you continue to carry this baby, it's not going to survive and you might have a stroke um, because your HCG is just going to go, you know, off the chart and, um, the baby's also not going to be normal because it has, you know, that extra set of chromosomes. Um, and I was just, you know, and then she throws in, oh yeah. And if it doesn't go away after, you know, your DNC, um, we might have to do chemotherapy. And I was just like, what, <laughs> what are you talking about? Like I was just pregnant like five seconds ago and now I'm getting a, you know, I'm losing my baby. I might have cancer. Like, mm. you know, do you have any questions? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know. Where to start. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know where to start. I had no one. I wish I could have had someone there with me, like to just, you know, try to be the logical one because I was, my logic was all gone at that point. Um, So, you know, she's like, I recommend you get your DNC as soon as possible. And I said, okay. So I, I got in for my DNC the very next week. This was February 22nd at this point. Um, everything went very fast. So, you know, I was pregnant with my second child in my second trimester. And then the very next week I was, you know, getting my DNC done. Um, everything went fine with the DNC and, you know, I took a week and a half off of work, um, and, you know, just started tracking my, uh, HGG levels every week and they were going down. It was looking great. I was so excited um, I would started, you know, the day of my surgery, it was at 489,000, uh, and it went down to, uh, I think 4,500 or around 4,000, um, by the next week. So I was like very hopeful. Wow. This is, this is great. So I start tracking it. I get down to around 1700 and then, then it starts going back up. Um, and my doctor, um, was like, we need to get you in for another test right away. So basically I do three blood draws within a span of one week and my number, like it went up and then it went down and then when it went back up and then it kind of plateaued. Um, and at that point it was late March and he called me on a Saturday morning and he was, you know, like, we need to, we need to start chemotherapy right away. Um, I was just, uh, just in shock. I just, you know, I'm 32 years old, healthy. I've never had any health issues in my life and just completely overwhelmed. I, I wanted to start the chemo though. Like if that sounds, that might sound weird. I just, I wanted to just, I wanted to do something that was positive to help my body. Um, because at that point I did not trust my body to do what it was supposed to do. Um, so I was just like, yes, like, let's do it. Like, I want to do this. It, it was overwhelming, but I thought like, this is truly what I needed to do in order to like make myself better. Um, so yeah, I did, uh, started April 10th. I had a port placed. Um, not everyone has that done, but I had a port placed for my chemo and I, I started chemo on April 10th. I did, uh, six rounds of chemo. And then I finished on June 23rd. Um, so that's, that's the, <laughs> the brief 
kind of summary of everything. Um, I still, to this day, I just can't believe it all happened. It's just like a bad dream or something. And um, yeah, Bex, your, your uh, bio on your website really resonated with me because it's like, you, you already have one child, right? Laura has a child too. And you just, you never think this is going to happen to you. And then it just, yeah, it just kind of shatters everything that you thought. Um, so I don't want to talk too long, but yeah. To, to lose a baby is horrendous and it's something yeah. that you expect, but to then have the added trauma of, as you say, like one day you're sort of thinking that you're going to bring a child into the world to be a brother or sister to your to your child um, that you already have. And then, but not only do you have to come to terms with the fact that that's not going to happen, but also that, you know, I mean, ke- chemotherapy is, is huge. So how did you begin to process that emotionally? Oh my gosh. I mean, so, have you, have you done it? Have you done that now? So I personally, I started therapy. I was like, I need help. Um, I felt so alone. Um, I mean, I just, it was so isolating. Um, and I, it was really difficult to understand why this was happening to me. Um, so I started therapy because I, um, like I mentioned, I didn't trust my body. I, I felt betrayed by my body. Um, and I've always been very proud of my body. I've like, I'm a distance runner. I've, I've played sports my whole life. And I, you know, I, I've had a child. I'm like, my body like is amazing, right? Like I can do so much. And, and that I completely lost all of that confidence and like, I was like, I need to, I need to talk to someone who specializes in this. So I did around three to four months of therapy. I did it every other week. I did it on my off weeks from chemo. I just, I couldn't like do too much. It was just, yeah, a little too much to do it every single week, but um, that was very helpful. Um, I recommend it, strongly recommend it for anyone going through this is to, to seek therapy with someone who's specialized in pregnancy loss. I mean, it helped me immensely just to reframe things and help me to get my confidence back and process the trauma. Um, it, yeah, it was really hard. Um, I didn't know how to handle myself really. Um, and, uh, the, the key is having someone who, who is specialized in pregnancy loss because yes, therapy in general isn't always helpful unless they have this this expertise right because it's just so some something so unique and, and and particularly with your experience like molar pregnancies are so are so underestimated like that yes the, you go through you go through loss then you you like you say lose faith in your body then after this, you've got this big, long, drawn out trauma. Yes. It's not something that, I mean, no one gets over baby loss quickly, um, but you have, don't even stand a chance of getting over it because you're still going through it. And the, exactly. the whole process takes such a long time. And then I don't know what the the, the rules are um, in the States or, or even, I don't know what the rules are in the UK now, but um you used to have to wait six months before trying again, six months from zero um, before, before trying again. What, what's, what, what is it over there at the moment? It's six months as well. So my doctor recommended to wait um, six months from the time that I was done with chemo. 
And yeah, like you said, it's like, it's a miscarriage that never ends um, because you're going through chemo. You don't know when your chemo is going to be over because you have to reach a certain level. Um, And it just, it, it never, it feels like it never ends. And then of course you, in any subsequent pregnancies that you have, you have to tell them about it. And then your HCG have to be monitored again afterwards. It's just like a, an extra ongoing trauma on top of miscarriage baby loss it's yeah yeah it's horrendous and and as a nurse I'm a nurse and when they called me into the office to tell me that I had a partial model pregnancy I hadn't got a clue what they were talking about right and often most of the nurses and midwives don't even know what it is so um yeah yeah, it's definitely Mm. something that needs more awareness raised around it what about you, Laura? Did uh, is are the rules the same where you are? You're in a different state. Yeah, I'm in California. Um, for a complete molar, it's actually a year from reaching zero. Um, and I got a second opinion with a um, gynonc, and um, she was pretty adamant that they want a year from zero. So, you know, it just delays the whole plan, which, you know, you never know if the plan is going to go how you want it to, but um, it's just a long waiting game. And Laura, just before we talk about your story, can we talk about how you guys got, because obviously I'm aware that you're in different states. So how did you guys meet and start? Yeah. Yeah, So when I started on um, methotrexate, I was just looking for a community and there was this like my molar pregnancy Facebook group where people would come and just be like, what is happening? (laughs) Like, What am I going through? Uh, just trying to understand since it is so rare and you don't really meet people that have gone through it. Um, And so I had posted in the group, like, is anyone else starting treatment around the same time that we could kind of share our experiences? So I think there was like five or six of us that were starting within a couple of weeks of each other. Um, And so we started a chat and would check in, you know, like I'm on my second week. These are my symptoms. Is anyone else hearing this from their doctor? And it was crazy how many different things all of us were hearing and experiencing. Um, But it was just really nice to have like someone who understood um, or, you know, a few people that understood um, that we could talk to. That's so lovely. I I remember joining a Facebook group, but it was a, yeah it wasn't as much of isn't wasn't as supportive one really it was very it was a very odd place to be and I ended up pulling myself out of it and and yeah going through it all all on my own and and like I said no one really no that even the nurses and no one yeah. heard of it no one really knew and then no one knew the significance of waiting to phone to get my results and things like that so I'm so glad that you guys had that support network it was um, everything. Laura, tell us, Honest, yeah, I bet. It was everything, I bet we truly. know the importance of having that connection with people who understand. And you know, like we've alluded to, it's 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 different to your typical loss, isn't it? it it's there's yeah, it's it's different, and it's something that is very difficult to um to understand unless you've been through it. But Laura, tell us about what happened with your experience then. Yeah. So. Um... Like Rachel, I also have um, a previous child. So I, my daughter was um, about to turn two. And, you know, with, with that pregnancy, we got 
pregnant right away. Everything was smooth, easy. Um, so second time got pregnant right away. Um, it was right after her second birthday that I went in. Um, they, they had wanted to wait until about like 11 weeks for my first scan. And I was like, no, I want to go in earlier just to make sure everything's okay. Um, my sister has had quite a few losses. So I was just, um, really wanted to, to check on things early. Um, and as soon as, so it was actually a nurse practitioner that, um, and she was amazing. She, I could tell as soon as she was doing this ultrasound that something was not right. Um, and she went and grabbed an, an OB um, and the doctor came in and took a look and they were like, yes, we're in agreement. And then I was like, agreement about what? <laughs> What's going on? Um, and that's when they told me about molar pregnancies. And I also had never heard of it. Um, and I had that um, typical, you know, like snowflake or like grape type mm. um, appearance that that you hear about since it was a complete molar. So no, you know, no heartbeat, no um, signs of baby or anything. Um, and she told me not to Google it, which of course I went home and did. <laughs> uh, and that's, you know, where you hear about the cancer and what it can turn into and everything. Um, but still, when you are reading about that, it says, you know, chances are, are pretty low. Um, so I went home from that appointment and had to do additional blood work. Um, and my HCG kept, kept, um, kept going up pretty quickly. Um, so they did like a more in-depth ultrasound just to make sure, you know, that they were, um, what they were seeing in that first ultrasound was, was accurate. And I was scheduled for a DNC like two days later. Um, everything went well. My numbers started going down for about two weeks. Um, and then they started going back up again around that like 1300 number. Um, and they started going back up pretty quickly. Um, so I was, you know, set up with oncology and um, they were working to to figure out, you know, which chemo I should go on. Um, at the time, there was actually a methotrexate shortage, um, which is was really stressful because the alternative drug um, is one that could lead to hair loss. Um, and just the idea of, you know, going from thinking I was pregnant to like losing my hair to cancer was just, I know that I, I you know, I feel like that's a pretty like vain thing, but it just felt like such a huge thing. Um, and so I really pushed for the methotrexate and they were able to find some. Um, and so I started that um, in April and I did um, two months um, so four rounds of methotrexate because it's every other week. Um, I had awful mouth sores. I could barely eat um, from the from the chemo. Um, it's also just a lot of time. It's every day during the week. I continued to work full time um, while I was going through treatment. I, I work from home, which helps. Um, and then about two months in, um, I like was having really bad like abdominal pain. Um, and normally I would just be like, oh, I'm sure it will just pass. I'm sure it's just like, you know, a stomach thing, but because of everything, I was like, I'm just going to go get it checked out. Um, and my, I just went to my general doctor and she ordered a CT scan and they found a mass, um, in my uterus. Um, so the methotrexate had stopped working, um, and a new mass was growing. Um, so they, ordered a second DNC. Um, and my oncologist says that, you know, my, um, general practitioner ordering that CT saved my life. Um, wow. she said I would have had to go on to different chemotherapy, stronger medicine, um, 
but the, the second DNC got everything out and my numbers continued to go down. I reached zero in um, July. So I've, I continue to do monthly testing and I've, I've stayed at zero. Um, so, you know, have to wait until next July um, to try to get pregnant again. But, um, you know, it's, I'm just happy I'm, I'm zero. I think one of the hardest parts for me was that waiting the initial waiting for the numbers to drop. And then when they went back up, I don't think I've ever experienced anxiety like that. I felt like mm-hmm. I had like an elephant just like sitting on my chest at all times. Um, and I don't think I processed the whole thing until I hit zero and everything was over because it just, as Rachel was saying, it just goes so fast. You go from thinking you're pregnant to, you know, being worried about cancer to getting surgeries to um, starting chemotherapy. And it's just, you're just like, okay, what can I do to, you know, fix this or to, to make things better. And then it just is over and you're just like, okay, what just happened? Um, so yeah, I'm glad to, you know, be finally past that, um, point and I'm not as anxious about the monthly testing because I've had a couple where it has reached zero. I think one of the hardest things and the timing with this actually for both, um, me and Rachel is, um, you know, we would have been due around this time. Um, so that's been really hard, um, just to think about that and to see other people, you know, my sister just had a baby and, um, so that's been challenging just to, to think about like what could have been. Yeah, of course. It's always hard approaching these due dates, isn't it? So the warriorship, we wanted to come and tell you a little bit about it, didn't we, Bex? And in case you're already going, why? We don't want to know about a fucking ship. The Warriorship is our online membership for warriors in this community. It's packed full of stuff. So we just want to tell you about some of the stuff. All of the content from all of the courses that we ever run is in the Warriorship. So there's loads to get your teeth into. And we are also developing modules for what happens after. But not only that, we've also got a ton of educational workshops running once a month in the coming months we have got body positivity workshop gratitude workshop and loads 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 more and on top of that we also have a resident mental health specialist and on top of that if if that wasn't enough there's 13 events every month and there's stuff popping up all the time as well that other people are organizing that you can be a part of so it really is thriving and all you have to do is head to the link in our bio or visit our website and you can be a part of this too we love to see you there how does it feel knowing that you've got to wait until july is that something that you're are you thankful of of having like this enforced break because it gives you time to process and recover or is it something that's that's frustrating it's frustrating i wanted you know like we had obviously tried to get pregnant at a certain time because we wanted Mm. our kids to be like you know maybe three years apart now you know, my daughter will be about three and a half when we're able to start trying to get pregnant, which who knows how quickly that will happen. It could, they could end up being five years apart. And that's just not a age gap that I had ever thought about. Um, and the idea of, you know, we're in the, the toddler phase right now. And the idea of like getting through that and then starting again is hard. Um, so 
yeah, that's, that's why I pushed for a second opinion um, from my just like general oncologist to um, gynecology oncology. Um, but she had shared just because mine was persistent. Um, and actually in the first year, the chance of like pregnancy loss in general um, after a molar pregnancy and the chance of a repeat molar pregnancy are just so much higher that it, it's not worth the risk. So, you know, I'm going to listen to my doctors and, and take their advice, but um, it's, yeah, it's, it's frustrating. And how have you, yeah. you know, um, Rachel shared that she sort of went to therapy straight away to cope with the emotional burden of, of everything that you've been through. Did you do similar? Kind of, I think I still, have a lot of processing to do. Um, you know, I, I, I had a, um, like a general therapist prior to all of this. Um, and I didn't really feel like it was sufficient because she didn't specialize in like cancer or pregnancy loss. And I just felt like she couldn't, you know, not like relate, but I, sometimes I just felt like I was missing something in our conversations. And I asked her one day, I was like, how do I know when I'm like done processing? Like, what does that look like? Um, and, she, you know, she didn't really have an answer for me. So I think I need to find a therapist that like specializes in kind of the experiences that I've gone through um, to to help get through those. Mm. Mm. Blimey, girls, you've been through a lot, haven't you? Mm. And it's all still so fresh. Um, yeah. How are you? How are you managing that? Um, the anxiety leading up to to due dates. Don't you just also? Don't you just hate people who plan to have a baby and have a baby, get the age gap they wanted, and all of that sort of stuff? <laughs> Isn't that so difficult? It really is. Yeah. I, uh, my due date was on August 28th. Um, and I had three close friends who were all pregnant and all gonna, you know, their healthy pregnancies. And like, yeah, it's, it's, it's so, um, it's just, it, I feel heartbroken, honestly, like that's how I feel. Um, and, I don't know like when I'm going to stop feeling this way. It's, you know, the, the sad moments, like they're becoming, I guess, less intense and less frequent, but I just have this, like, just something's different in my heart. I know that sounds corny, but it's just, that's truly like, it's how I feel. Um, The due date was very difficult. Um, It was a very, very difficult day. Um, You can't help, but, picture what your life was supposed to be like. Um, You know, I love my son so much and just the thought of him having a little baby to hold, like I still think about that all the time. It's like really, really difficult to Mm. think about that. So I, uh, yeah, I was, I took the day off work, like for the due date, I just, I couldn't do anything. I I thought I was going to be fine because I'd been dealing with all of this, right, for so many months, but there's something so culminating about that day, and you're just, it's its really, really hard. So I, uh, yeah, it's, I've been trying to focus on um, this one-on-one time that I'm getting with my son right now that I wouldn't have had, had I had another baby, 
um, you know, really enjoying just these really fun years with him. And um, it's a, it's a silver lining. It's not a good silver lining, but it's, it's one nice thing. I, I guess just, you know, being able to enjoy my time with, with just him, but it, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't take it away. You know, the pain. No. And how Rachel, you must, so you must be getting ready for your all clear to try again next month, right? Yeah. So uh, this year's cursed. I hate this year. So <laughs> I am not going to be trying in 2023. <laughs> um, <right. laughs> I, I, yeah. Um, December, I te- technically it would be six months, uh, but I'm just going to give it another month and and wait till the year turns over. I don't know. I'm not a superstitious person, but something about this year, I'm just like, I hate this year. So um, 2024, that is when we will we'll start trying. And I'm it's already very weird and scary to think about. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And how, um, this is a question to both of you, but, but we'll, we'll um, ask you first, Laura, how has your partner um, dealt with it? Yeah. I mean, he, he's been very supportive, um, you know, was there in the first appointment through all the, the DNCs and um, his, um, his parents are, are local, um, in San Francisco with us. So they were driving me to all my chemo appointments because, you know, he's also was also working. Um, I don't know if he has really processed it either. He also does therapy. Um, so, you know, he's been working on that. I think, I think it's hard for them because, you know, for him, particularly he was just trying to be supportive but so it's hard for them to process I think when they're trying to like be supportive of someone else um and I had to remind myself a few times that like he was also going through this too like maybe not physically but emotionally he was going through this I mean you know we bought like a big sister shirt for my daughter and you know um he hasn't really dealt with like health stuff before either so um, yeah, it was definitely scary for him. Um, and I, I had to remind myself to like check in on him and that, that he was going through it too. Mm. And what about your partner, Rachel? Very supportive as well. Um, he, yeah, like Laura kind of mentioned, like, I think he was just trying his best to be there for me. And I had to say to him multiple times, like, you know, it's okay if you want to talk to me. Like, I, I think he didn't want to be more of a burden on top of everything else that I was going through. Um, and I had to tell him multiple times, like, it's okay if you, you know, if you want to talk to me and you want to tell me how you're feeling. And I, I want to hear, you know, how you're genuinely feeling. And it's like, you almost don't even know how to feel. Like you're just, you're so overwhelmed by all of the range of emotions that, I, I think he's just like, I mean, I, I, I feel sad and, you know, I feel, um, I wish that, you know, things were different, but I think he was just so focused on making sure that I was going to get better. He's just like, you're my priority. And, um, so he was very supportive throughout. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I kind of, I tried to encourage him to do couples therapy with me, not like marriage therapy, but like, you know, together with my therapist to, to process the pregnancy loss. 
Um, and he told me that, you know, he didn't feel like he needed it. And I respected that. Um, I think he could have benefited from it, but, you know, I, he's a little bit more closed off with, you know, sharing and everything. So um, I definitely think it helped this whole experience, like helped him open up a little bit more, but I don't think he was quite ready to, to open up to a therapist about it. So, but very supportive overall for, for me. That's hard, isn't it? It's hard for them. Um, I think they are often a little bit more closed off than us. And, Mm -hmm. and like you say, they don't want to be a burden when we're already going through so much. Um, Oh, it's so tricky and everyone's different aren't they and every, every relationship is different it's you've just got to muddle through as best you can and we always say that communication is is key um whatever you're going through if you can talk to each other about it then it will um just be that little bit easier to to navigate I've got a question for both of you um presumably with your little ones being so little um they weren't they don't have any sort of knowledge of what's what's happened no. no. Yeah. I mean, we, because of my, um, my like mouth sores were so bad and I, my fatigue was pretty bad. Like sometimes we would tell my daughter, you know, mommy's sick or mommy doesn't feel well. Mm. Um, and when, when we had to go, um, to get like my DNC, my in-laws were out of town. So we had to have like a, you know, her, her nanny stayed and stayed with her at night. And, um, my husband actually like had an interesting conversation with his therapist. She has been in the mommy phase for like way longer than you would. Um, you know, everyone's like, Oh, it's a phase. It's a phase, but it's been like (laughs) a year and a half phase. Um, and so, you know, he was wondering if maybe it has something to do with that where she was like, Oh, mommy was sick. And so she's more attached now. Um, so I don't, you know, I, she didn't like understand really what was going on, but we did try to talk to her about it a little bit. Um, just so mm-hmm. she understood, like, you know, if I was laying on the couch or, um, if I just, you know, was not in a good mood or something that she kind of knew something was going on. Mm. Yeah. And do you think it's something that you will tell your children about in the future? Yeah, I, so I'm, Personally, I'm keeping a um, just a Gmail account for my son. I write him um, letters just here and there, and you know it'll be like a birthday <laughs> kind of thing. And so, um, yeah, I, I wrote him several letters, uh, several emails throughout the experience, and told him you know how much he means to me and how you know just like a source of comfort and and love like he was throughout everything. I, I don't it would have been much more difficult going through it, you know, without him. And, um, I, uh, and then, you know, his second birthday is tomorrow. So I'm planning to write him a letter and just kind of to close out the experience and tell him how much like his second year of life was, you know, so big for him, but it was so big for me too. And, um, yeah, Laura, like, I think your daughter is a little bit older than my, um, my son. So yeah, I mean, when they're, two, two and a half, like they're very with it, right? Like they know what's going on. And my son was not, I mean, he was, you know, just had turned a year um, a couple months before everything started. So he mm-hmm. wasn't really with it. Like we were able to keep him unaware of everything. Um, yeah. And, uh, but if it was happening right now, he would definitely know that something was wrong. 
Yeah. yeah. So my daughter, her name is Luna. Um, her best friend, um, their, her, her parents actually just had a baby. Um, and so they were pregnant kind of while I was going through um, everything. And so, you know, Luna would sometimes say like, sister, like I want baby, you know, so that made it really oh, hard to, you know, I'd be like eventually or, um, you know, and, and obviously she didn't understand or, or know what was going on. She just knew her best friend was having, going to have a baby sister. And, um, so I will definitely, you know, tell her someday, like, I know that my mom had a miscarriage. Um, you know, it's something I'll talk about with, with her at some point too. Yeah, and you mentioned your, your sister as well. Yes. Yeah, she's, she had um, a couple of losses. Yeah. Hmm. I think, um, and Bex, you'll probably have something to say, but you know, you've always mentioned that how important you feel it is for your girls to know about all of this. The girls in particular, it's, we, we, we feel like it's important for, for all children to learn about this stuff at an appropriate age. Um, but for the girls to grow up knowing that these things happen and um, not these things happen, not like the flippant, you know, these things happen. I mean, like <laughs> knowing that this this stuff does actually happen and, uh, you know, being able to be a bit more empowered in their own journeys and supporting other people as well. I think, yeah, yeah the main thing about that, I think is just that, you know, we talk a lot about how certainly in the UK, you know, it's so hush-hush that we don't, it's like you, you, if you mention miscarriage when someone's early doors pregnant, it's almost like you're um, tempting fate. Yeah, you're jinxing it. Right? You're jinxing it. And then, uh, but Do you I say think, jinx in the US? Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> jinxing it. So, but I think actually it's not for so, so many of, I mean, three quarters of, of pregnancies will end in a, a live birth, but... For those, and for those women, that's absolutely fantastic, obviously. But for, the, for that quarter of, of pregnancies that don't end that way, then they need to know where to go because they're the ones that are going to be damaged and lost and in the dark. And I think we underestimate um, the resilience of children in terms of what they the uh, information that they can understand and cope with because when they're little, it's just information that they process and they they know about as they grow mm. older it's not scary to them it's just a fact of life so if we can mm. get into that arena and and be explaining this sort of thing while our kids are little while they have this amazing aptitude for knowledge and understanding and processing and it just things just become normalizing normalizing yeah. they just accept yeah, well, it don't yeah. they as fact yeah, yeah exactly yeah. And I think even even with the boys you know my son is um 13 and I was 13 next month and you know, he went into his sex ed class and was like, why aren't we learning about miscarriage? And the teacher said, because it's too sad. And he was like, well, <laughs> my, my mum. <laughs> like, I'm so proud of him for doing that. Because that. It needs to happen. Cute, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I think to just the it should be sad. Yeah. Sorry. Go on. Yeah, sorry. Um, I think understanding like the language too to like use you know, around people, like I've been much more aware of like, you know, not asking people when they're going to have a second mm. or like yeah. 
a lot of friends that choose to be childless and, you know, instead of saying like, are you going to have a family? Like, you know, a family can be two people. Right. Um, so just like, I want her to grow up being more aware of like how she talks to people like that. Um, but on the, like, you know, it being normalized piece, my company actually offers bereavement leave for pregnancy loss, um, for five days, which was, was huge for me. Um, I felt like I could tell people, you know, I felt supported. Mm. Um, so that, that was really big. And so, you know, hopefully that's like a step forward in it being more normalized and people being able to talk about it. Yeah. It's yeah. So important. So thank Aww, you so much. Ladies. ladies. It's been really yeah. nice chatting to you. Yeah. Oh, really yeah. good. And we're Absolutely. so pleased that you found each other. And this is, you know, this is what we're all about is connecting people within their darkness. So, it does provide that light through a really isolating experience and made doubly isolating by how rare it is. It's, it's great that you were able to to find each other and find this community within, you know, within a community almost. This yeah. is actually our first time meeting like <laughs> on Zoom. So it's been no <laughs> way. Really? Yeah. We've just been like, you know, What's in something? this chat, in this right. chat yeah. for like months and months so yeah it is it is finally good to see your face Laura. Oh, hopefully you can hook up in real life one day i know i know if uh she wasn't so far away <laughs> maybe next time <laughs> i'm in california so <laughs> yeah. you're in san francisco laura where are you rachel i'm in washington dc oh okay so that is yeah. well that's a long way yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah oh well yeah. good luck and if you do if you do meet up in real life send us a picture Definitely. Course, yeah. Definitely. And if you're Thank ever you in London. Yeah. Uh, actually, one of the other girls, uh, Jade, who's in our uh, chemo, our methotrexate chat, uh, she lives in the UK. So um, oh, okay. we have people, uh, Kylie's in Australia, Jade is in the UK, Amanda's in Pennsylvania, Julia's, I think, somewhere on the East Coast, too. Oh, wow. So we're like all over the place. That's <laughs> so lovely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's really great. Really great. Well, it was lovely to chat to you and keep us both keep us posted. Good luck, you know, yeah, for the so new year. And um and obviously good luck for next year. And yeah, just keep in touch with us, won't you? Definitely. All the best ladies. Thank All right, so ladies, much. take care. Bye. 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 Bye.